And if I've not met you before, welcome to Portico. My name's Rick, glad that you're here. You've joined us in week three of our series, looking at what it means to be free. And we're walking through the book of Galatians. And we're looking at one general concept, really, that Christ sets us free. And each week we have a little bit of a nuance as we're walking through the book of Galatians and just going through that chronologically. We've heard some beautiful teaching the last couple of weeks. The first week, we heard about how Christ's sacrifice frees us from evil evil that is in the world. We know there is darkness and evil in the world. And what Christ did is he set us free. And last week that we heard that, you know, we need to be free from living from the expectations that we might put on ourselves or other people may try to put on us. And when we're forcing that kind of law and living, we're not really uh, living in the freedom that Christ intended for us to have. And we're going to unpack that idea a little bit more today. We're moving through the book of Galatians into chapter 3. And hopefully you've been reading along with us. We have a daily devotional. Make sure you're part of that group. It's on our app. It's on, uh, it's on our Facebook group. And you've got a devotional every week and some reading. And we're looking at this week in chapter 3 how Paul talks about how the Old Testament law is actually not the origin of our faith. It's actually preceded by a promise, which is the foundation of our faith. Our faith is not a list of rules. Our faith is based on the promise that Jesus, or the, the promise that God had for us that we see all throughout scripture. But to be a religious person, most of us have a whole list of rules of things that we think we have to do and a whole list of things that we shouldn't do. I just want you to be honest with yourself today. If you think, what is a religious person? There's probably a lot of things they do and a lot of things they don't do, right? Just go through it in your head. What, what is the list of things that religious people should not do? Don't yell it out loud. We don't want to have fights on this this morning. But if we, if we were to be honest, we would say a religious person, well, they don't drink, they don't smoke, there's no sex, there's no swearing, there's no stealing, there's no cheating, there's no lying, there's no gossiping, there's no hate, there's no divorce, they don't do idols, they don't do astrology, they don't do tattoos, they don't haircut, they don't hat wear. <sighs> right? <laughs> We don't do that. <laughs> and and, and it seems like a long list. And if you think that is a long list, the Jewish uh, rabbis went through the Old Testament and saw there were 613 specific laws about food and about worship and about lifestyle that they were supposed to uphold. And if they broke one of them, then there was a rule about the sacrifices that they were supposed to make to fix the law. And it's exhausting as a way to live And what it actually does is it continually puts you in a place of feeling guilty if you're trying to uphold every one of those laws. And we had a little bit of fun with you this week. We wanted to hear what are the things that you do or don't do, actually, that make you feel guilty. And we had all kinds of answers about what's something that makes you feel guilty when you forget to do it. So I picked three of my favorites to have a little fun with this morning. Somebody said this, they feel guilty when they forget to feed the dog. Now, I'm going to judge you a little bit. You forget to feed an animal? You forget. Wow! No, I'm just kidding. Because I forget to feed the dog as well. I, I, I can always tell when we forgot to feed him breakfast because there's three of us in the home. It is, it's somebody's responsibility to feed the dog in the morning. I'm not going to say whose it is, but it's, it's supposed to be one person's. It's me. 
But, but others could, could help, you know, others could give assistance. But when we get home at the end of the day, if he's going crazy and knocking his food dish over, probably means we forgot to feed him. So yes, I, I share that guilt with you. Somebody else said, you know, I, I'm good with feeding the dog, but I can't remain patient with my parents. And I'm going to say the inverse is true. Parents sometimes don't remain patient with their children. Anyone want to admit to either one of those this morning? Yeah, every hand up in the room this morning. We all have patience issues and we feel guilty when we reflect like shoot I haven't been able to stay patient and the last one well this actually comes right out of those 613 rules is that we feel guilty when we forget to pray now if we if we really get into the scripture we'll find that there is a reason for every rule for every law And as we keep going through this series in Galatians, we're going to see, in fact, in next week, Paul begins to transition some of his tone and we go, there is, there, is a, a, there is a way that we live when we are being transformed and there is purpose to the law and, and it's all undergirded by two concepts that we love God and we love others and we can see the kind of the genesis of all of these laws. But for this one last week, this week, we're in chapter three, and we look at how Paul demonstrates that keeping rules, trying to live that way, is an exhausting way of life, and it actually leads anyone who says, I'm going to follow all the rules, it leads you into a place of being guilty. If you try to live a way that is righteous, you will be guilty. And Paul walks them back to the very roots of their faith, and their father Abraham, and he shows them that actually your faith was never about keeping the rules anyways. It was about a promise of freedom, which is for all of us. So I'm going to encourage you to open up your Bible, Galatians chapter 3. If you want to follow along in our notes, you've got to download the Portico app. You've got all three points will be there, all of the scriptures we use today, even some discussion questions that you can use for discussion around your family tables or in your small groups later on this week. That's all there in the Portico app. So make sure you download that. And let's jump right in. We've got three thoughts around what it means to be free and the promise of freedom. The first, carefully worded, is that faith big word, keeps you in the family, big word, of promise. So the incorrect perspective that sometimes we have is that, is that God's relationship with humanity and with Israel started from law. If we go right back to its roots, we see that it's actually faith that has always been the foundation of what it means to have relationship with God. Not keeping the rule, but having faith. Faith existed well before law which is Moses, ever existed. There were no rules when it came to relationship with God at its very roots. It was just about, do you trust me? The original covenant that God made was not made to Moses with all of the law. It was made to Abraham. And it was even intimated, if, if you've been with us on, on uh, Thursday nights, we've been having a fantastic night studying uh, the beginnings of the world and Genesis. And so I'd encourage you to join us for the last week uh, as we join together this Thursday night. But we've been looking at that right even from the creation of the world, there was hints of a covenant that was going to be made that was all about faith, not about rule keeping. And God said to Abraham, I'm going to make you a great nation. And your descendants are going to be the same as the numbers of stars in the sky or sand on the beach. And this was not about Israel. This was not about Jewish nationals. This was about all of us. So let's go into Galatians chapter 3. We're going to put verses 7 through 9 on the screen. And let's look at this together. The real children of Abraham. So this, this is Paul. Uh, yeah, this is Paul who's writing. 
a, a, a Jew, a child of Abraham, a rule keeper. He goes, the real children of Abraham then are those who put their faith in God, not those who keep the law. What's more, the scriptures look forward to this time when God would make the Gentiles right in his sight because of faith, not because of how they're living, because of faith. God proclaimed this good news to Abraham long ago in the original covenant time when he said, all nations will be blessed through you. So all who put their faith in Christ share the same blessing that Abraham received because of faith. This again is looked at in the book of Hebrews. Abraham's righteousness has nothing to do with the way that he lived or did not live. And we know Abraham's life. He did not live a life that lined up 100% to the law. But he was righteous. Why? Because of his faith. And Duane unpacked this for us last week when we were going through the message that even those who were closest to Jesus, they really struggled with this concept. Peter, who was, who was the head of the church in Jerusalem, one of Jesus' closest disciples, couldn't figure this out. And, and it's natural. When, when you live righteously for years, when, when you're abstaining from all of those long lists of things, you forget the root of it. You start to think, I'm in the club because I earn my space in this club. And, and even if you wouldn't articulate it that way, you would say, you know what? I, I have done some right things. God must be impressed with this. And Paul had to look at Peter and call him out and remind him of the impact of trying to keep all of the rules. Because if you keep all of the rules, it means Jesus' death was not necessary. If all of the rules could make you righteous, Jesus never had to come and he never had to die and you could earn your salvation. And Paul said, Peter, you know this. You're smarter than this. But, but it's natural. And we're there too. We sometimes think, man, I, I've kind of earned my space in here. I, I live a pretty good life. And we heard from many of you last week, you're like, I, you know what? I've not heard this teaching in some time. <laughs> so I got to process this. And this is why we teach the Bible. We don't teach popular Christianity, whatever the modern expression is, we teach the Bible. So let's look at Peter's response. If you go to Acts chapter 15, and you might just want to flip over there. I'll put some verses on the screen. But we believe that Acts 15 comes after Paul and Peter's interaction in Galatians, and, and this is in the region of Antioch. So you'll notice at the, the very beginning of chapter 15, if you have your Bible open, at, at, at the top in the first few chapters, it says that, that there were people who arrived at Antioch that started to have this fight and they had a squabble, so then they sent people to Jerusalem to settle this. So, so commentaries in the Bible kind of agree that this most likely happens in Acts 15 after Paul and Peter have had it out in Galatians. So, so what we're thinking is this, is this is Peter working it out. So Peter begins to speak to all the Jews in Jerusalem who are, who are still trying to figure out this balance between do I have to keep all the rules or is it just about my faith? And Peter says this, God knows people's hearts and he confirmed that he accepts Gentiles by giving them the Holy Spirit. So God proved that like they're righteous just as he did to us. He made no distinction between us and them and he cleansed their hearts through faith. So keep reading even beyond what's on screen. So why are you now challenging God by burdening Gentile believers? And he says this, with a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors were able to bear. We weren't able to live up to this stuff. So why are we trying to do this to other people? We believe that we're all saved the same way by the undeserved grace of the Lord Jesus. 
if this is indeed a post-Galatians um, confrontation that Paul and Peter have, it's amazing to watch Peter process this. And he comes to this realization. But we're not free of this either. If we look around, how would you determine, well, who's a real Christian? There's Christians, but then who's a real Christian? Well, they're the ones that keep the rules, right? In fact, if you had to pick a Christian out of the crowd, how would you identify them? Let's put the crowd shot on there. Yeah. Who's a, who's a Christian in this picture? What are you looking for? Who's holding the alcohol? <laughs> what are you looking for? Who's dressed appropriately, quote unquote? What's God looking for? Faith. Who's a real Christian? One who's confessed Christ. Listen, we will celebrate people's morality in the church more than we will celebrate their faith, and that is a dangerous game to play. If a person turns from a life of addiction, or they, or they figure out their sexuality, or, or, or they do X, Y, Z, we will share a testimony and say, look what God is doing. Can we just share testimony of people's hearts coming to Christ and not celebrate the law? The only identifier that we need is what does it mean to be a person of faith is that they've given their life to Christ. Let's keep unpacking this idea because I know some of you are ready to stone me right now. Let's, <laughs> point number two, dependence on the law actually keeps you from God's promise. Human logic says this, if we do more good things than bad things, we're a good person and God is happy. That's what human logic says. If, if I do pretty good and only a little bad, then God must be happy. If I'm a nice person, but every once in a while I blow my temper and I spout off, but I'm, I'm a good person still. If I, if I give to charity, and, but then I just fudge a little bit on my taxes so that I can give more to charity, that means I'm a generous person, right? We believe that God loves people if they're overall decent people. Look what Paul teaches in Galatians. Let's put Galatians uh, 3, 10 through 12 on there. Paul just blows this up. He says, those who depend on the law, the good deeds to make them right with God are what? Under his curse. Ouch. For the scriptures say, curse is everyone who does not observe. Cursed is everyone who does not observe and obey what? All the commands that are written. All 613. If you don't get them all, cursed in God's book of law. So it's clear that no one can be made right with God by trying to keep the law. For the scriptures say it is through faith that a righteous person has life. This is the way of faith. It's, I love, it's very different. That I, I highlighted those words. It's very different from the way of law. It's through obeying, it, which says that it's through obeying the law that a person has life. This is why this doesn't sit well with us right away. Because we're, we're, we are people that like boundaries. We are people that want to keep rules. But Paul says this is different. The way of life and faith is different. And it always amazes me that we can read a Bible story and we can judge people in the Bible story and then not see what's going on in, upset, in, in ourselves. We say, how could, how could Peter just not accept these Gentile believers into, like, how could he just not get rid of all the hundreds of thousands of years of tradition that, is made, that made them think that the way to righteousness was the law? This is the same struggle we have in our church today. We have generations 
of rule keeping that we've said we have to do this and we have to do this and we don't do this and we don't do this and that's how we're righteous in each other's eyes and we're trying to live good lives to make God happy and what we're doing is we're heaping guilt on people every day who don't live the exact same way that I do. And we have entire communities of people and a generation that is walking away from a loving God. Why? Because we represent him as a law-keeping God rather than a life-keeping God and a grace-filled God. And keeping track of the law destines us to stay broken, to stay in sin. Law-keeping only leaves you in two places. Law-keeping means if you do it perfectly, then you are proud because you did it yourself and you earned your own salvation and you didn't need Jesus. Or it renders you guilty, worthy of death. And you know, in church culture today, we actually get to do the same thing. There are days when I walk into a church service and I'm like, man, I've had a good week. I've been kind, I've been generous, I've gone over the top and I feel pretty proud of the life that I'm living, which is the root of all sin, <laughs> pride. <laughs> So I walk in here proud of my own good works or I walk in here shameful of the way that I haven't lived for God. Why? Because I'm measuring myself against the law and cursed is anyone that measures themselves in the law. The way of faith is very different. I, I, I would highlight that somehow, <laughs> however you highlight. The way of faith is very different. Just understand this, all of us fall short and all of us are welcomed. All of us fall short and all of us are welcome. It does not matter when you fell short, how you fell short, how often you fell short, you fell short and it's all or nothing. And the only way to righteousness is through Christ. If we bumped over to chapter four, we see in Galatians 4, 9. So now that you know God, or I should say now that God knows you, he's talking to the uh, Galatian believers, why do you wanna go back again and become slaves once more to the weak? and the useless spiritual prophecies of this world. He goes, why do you want to go back to that? You know, I, I actually, I reflected deeply on this. Why do, why do we want to go back to it? Why do we do this? Just think on it for a minute. Why do you go back to law keeping, rule keeping? It's because for me, when I examine my, my inner heart, my life, you know what I see? I see all kinds of brokenness. When I'm honest with myself, I see anger towards people that don't like me or don't think like me. I have desires that are not God-honoring. I'm self-serving at times. Do you know what's way easier than fixing all of that? Keeping some rules. <laughs> sure, I won't steal. Yeah, I can not get drunk. I, I can do all that stuff. That's way easy. And you know what that does? It built up my pride and you know what it does? It makes me feel righteous. And you know what else it does? It leaves all of this broken stuff hidden. And I'm still upset when somebody offends me and I still have brokenness, but I feel righteous. Keeping the law is a curse. And we need to recognize this. Righteousness is received. It's not achieved. Do not try to achieve righteousness. Receive it. Don't, don't put on the outward visibility of, hey, I've done well. Receive the inner righteousness that God has for you, which is where we land today, point three. Live by promise, not by contract. 
the reason that Paul goes into this story of Abraham is because of where it's taking place. Many people would think, well, the Old Testament's full of law and the New Testament is centered on, on faith, so I don't have to live anymore. I will contend that the New Testament is way, way harder on on rule keeping than the Old Testament is. The Old Testament said you can't kill. You know what the New Testament said? If you hate, you're a murderer. Whoa, I can't, I can't live up to that. The Old Testament gave a whole bunch of laws around marriage and sexuality, and the New Testament say when you have a lustful thought, you've already committed that sin. The New Testament says if somebody's taking something from you, give them more. <laughs> Let them take more. Wow, I can't live up to that. Jesus, how on earth could I live that? And Paul goes here, he goes, I want you to know that your faith was never about keeping all the rules. It was about a promise to be in God's family. And it existed way before any rules existed. See, we we look at the Bible as one complete piece, as we should. (laughs) But Abraham lived it out in real time. Moses lived it out in real time. You know what we see? Before there was law that pointed out what was right and wrong, there was faith. And Paul said this in verse 17 and 18 in Galatians 3, and we'll put it up there. It says that, this is what I'm trying to say, Paul goes, the agreement God made with Abraham couldn't be canceled 430 years later when God gave the law to Moses. God would be breaking his promise. For if inheritance could be received by keeping the law, it would not be by the result of accepting God's promise. But God graciously gave it to Abraham as a promise. God gives us promises. He doesn't give us contracts to fulfill. You cannot earn God's love. You cannot do enough good works to get to a place in heaven. He made a covenant, a promise with you, and it extends to us today. Trust him. All of the law is is founded on these two principles. Just love God and love others and confess Christ as your savior. This is the promise that God gave you. And Paul, a Jewish man who grew up a rule keeper, a teacher of teachers, the Jew of Jews, he went to his fellow rule keepers and he wanted to show them the promise of freedom. And here's what he said in Galatians 4.12 when we jump into uh, chapter four. He says, dear brothers and sisters, rule keepers, you're like me. He goes, I plead with you to live as I do in freedom from these things. For what I've become like the Gentiles, free from the laws and the rules. We're gonna close today's service with that song and that reflection in Christ alone, I place my trust. And I'm gonna ask us to do a self-reflection on the things that we feel guilty about. You're participating in a church service today, and if you were to be honest, there's something in your heart, something in your mind, something in your life that you feel guilt for. You feel like, I I don't even deserve to be here, maybe. You had an action. You didn't feed the dog this week. Here's the reflection. How much energy do you invest in beating yourself up over the thing that isn't perfect? How much time do you judge yourself? My brothers and sisters, I plead with you, live in freedom from those laws. Stop judging yourself. You can't do it. The law puts you under a curse. Guilt and shame, you know what that is? It's the sum of all the energy that we needlessly beat ourselves up with instead of just thanking our gracious Heavenly Father. Thank you for loving me. Thank you 
Thank you for looking at me and my brokenness and the stuff that doesn't honor you and choosing to love me anyway. Wow. How perfect do you need to be to approach the throne of God? How perfect? You know what the answer is? 100% completely perfect. You cannot even come into God's presence without being 100% perfect. You die in God's presence. And all through the Old Testament, people that walked into the Holy of Holies walked in and lost their life because they were imperfect in some way. No wrong thought, no wrong action, no wrong word ever. 100% perfect. I don't want to live that way. How perfect do you need to be to receive Jesus? Zero. Zero. And Jesus says, bring your confusion. Bring your broken sexuality. Bring your addictions. Bring your financial troubles. Bring your broken relationships. He loves you. He loves you. He's not here to judge you. He's not here to condemn you. The law condemns you. Other people condemn you. Not Jesus. In Christ alone, I place my trust. No guilt in this life. No fear in death. That is the power of Christ in me. Listen, we cannot sing lies this morning. We, we cannot look around at each other and go, yeah, but this person, yeah, but this person. <laughs> no, no guilt. We're free. And you know what I find? Yeah, we're, and we're going to keep going through the book of Galatians. And I don't want to jump into next week's message. But the closer that I get to a God that loves me and forgives me, you know, you know what I see happen? The more I just want to live for him. Nobody has to tell me to change. That happens as I love God more. <laughs> and nobody, and, and, and what's amazing is when I get close to God, I, I see my brokenness, but I don't feel guilt. And that's unbelievable. Today is the day that you lay down the law that is pointing to your guilt. Today is the day you receive the promise that Jesus has for you. Re-embrace the love of your Savior, the righteousness that he gives you that you don't achieve. Freedom from all that condemns. Would you know what it means to be free and receive the promise of freedom in Jesus' family? Can we pray together before we sing? Heavenly Father, thank you for this wonderful gift of salvation that we have not got perfect over the years, Lord. Sometimes we... Sometimes we try to put these expectations on ourselves and go, well, I, I'm just trying to do the most right that I possibly can. Lord, forgive us for that. Help us to recognize, Lord, that, that at each and every day we just need to receive forgiveness, walk in your presence, be led by your spirit to love you and love other people. And as we do that well, Lord, we will... We will bring honor. We will bring glory to you, Jesus. God, help us today as we respond to sing these words with full truth. No guilt, no fear. In Christ alone, I place my trust.